Thanks for tuning in to Mystic Witch. I'm your host, Blue. You can find out more about me at bluejunetarot.com. Mystic Witch is a podcast about magic, divination, and all things supernatural. Witches. Today our guest is witch, professional psychic, and teacher Matt Oren. He is a high priest in the Sacred Fires tradition of witchcraft and holds initiations, degrees, and training in other traditions of witchcraft, occultism, and mysticism. He is the author of the newly released Psychic Witch, a metaphysical guide to meditation, magic, and manifestation published by Llewellyn. He is mostly known for his popular blog on Patheos Pagan entitled For Puck's Sake, as well as having columns in Horns Magazine, Witches and Pagans Magazine, The Witches' Almanac, Modern Witch, and many others. Today we're going to be talking about what it means to be a psychic witch. Welcome, Matt. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to have you. This is going to be fun. So I guess let's start just by like you telling us a little bit about what the essence of the book is. Okay. Um, so this is the book that I always wanted growing up um, and exploring these realms. So the book starts with uh, figuring out what psychic ability is and what your natural predisposition is. So just as we know with traditional teaching, uh, different people are predisposed to different senses and that uh, informs their learning style. So we have visual learners, we have kinesthetic learners, we have auditory learners, and that's the same with psychic ability. We're naturally predispositioned to a certain aspect of psychic ability. So the book explores that, and it strengthens the clairs that you may be a little bit less predisposed to, or that may be a little bit more dormant. And it's sort of a uh, masterclass in developing your psychic ability safely. Um, and then it gets into sort of uh, the basics of magic and what magic is, and how psychic ability can help your magic, and reverse engineering that to do magic on the spot without anything. Yes. So just for anyone who doesn't know, can you explain what the clairs are? I think a lot of people just aren't that familiar with that term. Sure. So uh, clair is, it comes from the French word clear. Um, so the clairs are what is normally called extrasensory perception, uh, which is the idea of our senses extended uh so, for example, uh, vision becomes clairvoyance, um, hearing becomes clairaudience, uh, the sensation of touch uh, becomes clairtangency, uh, taste is clairgustance, uh, smell is clairalience. So I actually don't like the word extrasensory perception, um, even though I do use it in the book, uh, because it, it sort of uh, denotes that these are senses that are extended beyond our primary senses. And I actually think it's the other way around. I think our uh, clair senses are our natural, our primary senses. When you think about us as spiritual entities, right? Um, being incarnated in a physical body is 
the shortest amount of time that we have. Uh, but we have senses as spirits before we're incarnated and after we're incarnated. So I see the physical senses as actually being extensions of that, as the crystallization of those senses when we're incarnated in body. I could not agree with you more. It's sort of like how we say supernatural, but it's really the most natural thing in the world. Exactly. I hate the word supernatural being used <laughs> with magic. It's a pet peeve. I get it. I get it. So who actually is capable of working magic and what does it mean? Like who is psychic? Um, so my answer is everyone. So we all have a soul. Um, and as such, we all have psychic ability. Uh, we are sort of conditioned to uh, lose that psychic ability. Um, I, I discuss uh, children in my book, and uh, as many people who have been around children or have children or remember their childhood, uh, children are extra psychic and extra magical. Um, and then we're quickly taught to dismiss that. It's actually interesting because uh, in part of the book, I explore um, studies behind uh, the brainwave states that children are in and when that shifts. So children up until I believe it's the age of seven are primarily in the alpha brainwave state, which is the brainwave state that is connected to psychic ability. And then once they're about uh, that certain age, when they start understanding what's expected of them uh, from other people like parents, uh, they start losing that that state, um, and they start uh, entering into theta. And beta is our normal, everyday thinking consciousness. So it's it's interesting because that also ties into children and imagination. You know, we know children are super imaginative, super magical, and a lot of that has to deal with imagination. And imagination is in that alpha brainwave state. It's the same brainwave state of psychic ability. So as they start learning, you know, to dismiss their imagination, they start losing those senses. Uh, likewise, since I see uh, psychic ability as the perception of energy, uh, we all can naturally perceive it and Therefore, we can also manipulate it. And that's how I define magic as manipulating energy consciously and with your will. So what's the difference between intuition and psychic ability? That is a fantastic question. So I differentiate the two. I follow, in, in all of my witchcraft training, we have a three-soul model. So that's higher self, lower self, and middle self. Um, the middle self is our thinking mind. It's our rational mind. It's our ego. And by ego, I mean our sense of self, our sense of identity. The lower self is our childlike, animalistic. Um, it's the body. It's the senses. It's emotion. And then the higher self is that aspect of us that is divine. It's when people talk about the soul um, or that, that, you know, essence that is eternal, that is the higher self. So intuition is a conversation between the lower self to the middle self. So intuition is uh, usually felt in the body as physical sensations, like a gut feeling. It's also perceived as emotions um, or just sort of just kind of having a feeling or a hunch about something. And in many traditions of witchcraft, so let's take uh, the Victor Anderson fairy tradition. The name that they have for the lower self is the sticky one, because it's this idea of constantly absorbing things in its environment. So people who say that they're empaths are really in tune with their lower self. So intuition is 
um, that animal instinct, that animal nature that is assessing information constantly in our environment that we aren't consciously processing. So that's intuition. Psychic ability, on the other hand, is the higher self speaking to the middle self. So these are things that have nothing to do with our external environment. This is where names and dates and information that has nothing to do with external stimulus comes in. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think I've, I definitely have a very, really firm grasp on it because I have clear audience. So I understand what you mean about something coming from the external and something coming from the internal. Um, but I think, I think people are still going to have some struggles, especially since they are so often categorized together at intuition and psychic abilities. Um, but yeah, hopefully people can get a better sense of that through reading your book because you really elaborate. That's like really kind of a big part of what your book's about, right? Yeah. So I, I believe all psychic senses are internal and external, but I still feel that that's a higher self conversation. So I don't know. Have you ever seen the show, uh, Sherlock on BBC? I haven't. Okay. So in the show, Sherlock is sort of this, like, savant genius, and he can make these, like, wild uh, assessments just uh, by picking up on things that people don't normally pick up on. Like, there's a scuff on their shoe, so this means that, um, you know, they write with this hand. Um, Those are things that we're constantly picking up but not consciously processing. Mm. And that information is what I call intuition. Oh, okay. So I just call that perception. And I agree with you that that is where our intuition comes from. We don't even realize that we're noticing certain body language or, and that's a big part of my work. I'm sure you can relate as a reader watching, like listening to how someone says something, they almost know the answer a lot of the time by the way they word the question, right? Right, right. Um, And intuition, like I said, usually it comes as a feeling, a hunch, or a physical sensation. And those are all lower self type things. Um, Intuition and psychic ability do weave in and out of each other. Um, But in my book, I try to uh, really focus on building that connection with your lower self and your higher self and your middle self to... uh, change your perspective when it comes to psychic information or magical ability. So the metaphor that I use in the book, it's sort of like your middle self is reading glasses, your higher self is a telescope, and your lower self is a microscope. So all three give you different vantage points when it comes to psychic ability. And often switching between them uh, can give you more information. I love that metaphor. It's so good. (laughs) So how can psychic ability assist you with your magic? Oh, good one. So in the book, I start by talking about a couple of my struggles along this path. Before I went through any vigorous training um, with any tradition, I started with magic before psychic ability. And I would, you know, cast these spells. I would do everything in the book. I'd go through the motions. I would say the words. I would get the ingredients. And maybe 25% of them worked, but a lot of them fell short of manifesting anything. Um, When I went through my formal training, what's interesting is every tradition I've trained under, uh, we spend at least a year in psychic development before we even touch magic because magic is the manipulation 
of energy. So psychic ability can be used to enhance the magic. Um, so, for example, projecting those senses, instead of receiving them, we project it onto our magic and it enhances it. It also, you know, a lot of times people are working in faith. So I reference uh, Evo Dominguez Jr.'s work, which is brilliant. And he talks about the noirs, and uh, the noirs are the opposite of the clairs. Noir is French for dark. So it's this idea of being able to manipulate energy but not being able to perceive it. But magic is so much stronger when we can perceive it, and we know if we're doing it right. So, for example, I can usually tell if a circle has been properly cast um, because with my psychic development, I have a clairaudient experience when the circle is cast, uh, where it's very much like uh, tinnitus, and then it goes away as soon as the circle is released. So being able to perceive that energy uh, can uh, make sure that you're doing it more effectively, and it can enhance that magic so much stronger. Wow. You you mentioned that people sometimes or oftentimes operate with magic under faith. How important do you think faith is when you're working spells? So I actually don't like the word faith um, because <laughs> faith usually uh, gives this sort of idea of blind faith. Yeah. And as witches, I don't think we should have blind faith. Um, I believe that we should be more like scientists. We should experiment with ideas, hold them as true for the purposes of experimentation, record them, and see what works and what doesn't work. I like the word will more than like intent or belief. Because um, belief still signifies this kind of idea that you know you aren't sure if it's going to happen or if it's uh, going to manifest, whereas will, you're willing it. And intention, you can have good intentions. I can intend to cross the street all day, but until I will myself to do it, it's not going to happen. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about whether or not we need to buy the tools, the crystals, the herbs, the candles. Do we need those things to practice magic? So I don't believe we need those things. So, you know, being a witch, I love all of that stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I love my crystals and I love my candles and I love the traditional spell work. Um, but I find, and I found this in my own experience, you know, as a child, you know, exploring witchcraft up till now, where, you know, I thought I needed all of these things to cast magic. And, um, you know, it ends up, being expensive, and it can limit us from actually performing the magic until we get the things. And it can also get us in the trap of spiritual materialism, where we uh, believe that the things are what have the magic. Um, so, for example, a, I'm an animist, so I do believe that everything does have uh, its own essence, its own energy, its own soul. But unless you can work magic unless or energy work, um, unless you can perceive things, you can't really intermingle with that energy. You can't really awaken that energy. You can't really connect it to the level uh, that would be more potent for magic. Um, I believe that witchcraft is sort of its own living entity in a way. And I think that it has a glamour about it. And uh, we see this with the witch aesthetic, uh, which is really, really popular. And I love it. You know, I love that witchy aesthetic. <laughs> 
but it's a glamour. It's uh, I believe that witchcraft does this every now and then as a living entity where it's drawing people in. Um, and some people will get hung up on the materialism. Some people will get tired of it and explore other things, but then there will be the few people that stay with it and dive deeper. Dive deeper into the aesthetic? Dive deeper into the witchcraft, into the magic, into the deeper mysteries of... uh, And let's be honest, that really just entails reading a lot of books. So it does involve reading. Um, It also involves doing. Um, And genuinely wanting to connect. Um, I think one of the biggest pitfalls is losing uh, what they call in yoga that beginner's mind, Uh, the idea of entering as uh, someone who doesn't have all the answers, entering as someone who has that sort of full card energy of, you know, being eager to learn and eager to experience I think that the mysteries, um, well, what we refer to in witchcraft as the mysteries, start revealing themselves to the people who are earnest in their craft. Truth, truth, truth. So tell us a little bit about your path, um, some of your training, and what led you to writing this book. So um, I was raised in um, a very religious household as a child. Um, We were... uh, a hybrid of Pentecostal and evangelical, which is like the most extreme you can get in Christianity. Yeah. So I wasn't exposed to a lot. And I think it was around like seven or eight years old. I happened to watch the movie, The Craft. And, (laughs) you know, a lot of people scoff at that. A lot of witches like, oh, people watch The Craft and they think that they're witches. But for me, it was almost like this religious experience because although it is a Hollywood movie, it did portray portray witchcraft as something people could do. Um, And this is something I wasn't exposed to. And it just sort of ignited the spark. So I spent, you know, a lot of my uh, childhood trying to find more information on witchcraft, you know, with my uh, misconceptions based on the movie. (laughs) And um, I remember my elementary school library, um, I started looking for any book that had to deal with witchcraft or ghosts or anything (laughs) like that, which doesn't yield a lot of results in an elementary school library, Um, (laughs) right? Because you get like Roald Dahl's The Witches and stuff like that. (laughs) Which is a great book. Yeah, no, totally. All of his works are great. But I struck gold one day. I um, found one of those time life uh, series that they used to do on like the unexplained and the supernatural. And um, there was one on witches. So I started going through it and it has the stuff you would sort of expect. It has like all the historical witchcraft, all the folklore witchcraft. And then in the very back, it had a small section on modern day witchcraft. Well, at least for its time. And so you have like Anton LaVey, of course, they always put Anton LaVey in it. Uh, <laughs> And then they had one picture of uh, Maxine Sanders and Alex Sanders, the founders of the Alexandrian uh, tradition of witchcraft, and they had the word Wicca. So as a child, I was armed with a word. 
So I, I went to the computer lab where they were just starting to integrate computers <laughs> into the schools. And I would get on Netscape Navigator and I would, you know, pull up all these different angel fire sites. And I started learning a little bit more. And I went to my local bookstore and I kept trying to buy books and they wouldn't let me buy books. They said I needed a guardian with me um, for the, the Wicca books. So I eventually got my hands on Silver Ravenwolf, and I devoured the Silver Ravenwolf. Um, you know, I, 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 I love her. I still love her to this day. Um, Same. I just recommended one of her books yesterday. What book was it? It was actually Teen Witch, which was perfect marketing. Perfect. Because the- cover was supposed to look like the craft, right? Yes. So like for me, I was like, ah, so, and to sidetrack for a moment, um, my next book, which I'm not talking much about, that's contracted already. Um, I'm kind of keeping it mum's the word. Um, I'm more, I think I'm more excited that Silver Raven Wolf is writing the forward for it than the actual book. Oh, um, wow. How things yeah. come full circle. Yeah, yeah. So in my, um, even in my dedication of my book, I, I dedicate it to my four strongest influences on my path. And I start with Silver Raven Wolf because that was my first. And I talk about how I would devour her books and I would, you know, uh, write in my journals, like my little child book of shadows, you know, <laughs> copying her information. And I dreamed of one day having my own book with that little crescent moon logo on it. And, you know, now I do. Um, so anyways, long story short. Um, so I, I slowly immersed myself into uh, witchcraft. And then I kind of ventured away from it for a little bit. I started exploring other avenues like yoga and uh, shamanism and uh, new age modalities. And then I had an experience and I couldn't find information on it. And I finally found uh, this experience in one of Christopher Penzak's books. And I was reading it one day, and uh, my boyfriend at the time, because I just had moved to New England, um, I'm reading it, and he's like, oh, yeah, Christopher Penzak, you know, he lives, like, really close to here. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I, I, I looked him up, and they he runs the Temple of Witchcraft tradition. So I looked them up. They had an open house. I went to that. I fell in love with uh, the work that they do, so I signed up to train with them. And then I decided to go back and learn from his teacher, his original teacher, who's Lori Cabot. And from there, I met Devin Hunter. And Devin Hunter and I had these amazing long in, like conversations, and I had never met anyone who saw witchcraft the way that I saw witchcraft. So I decided to study under him and his tradition, and that's the Sacred Fires tradition, which I am a high priest in now. So those are my main traditions I trained in. But just being involved in the witchcraft community and uh, knowing a lot of witches and clients and students, I find that just because you're a witch, you're not necessarily psychic. 
And just because you're psychic, it doesn't mean you can really manifest things in your life. And through my studies, I realized that psychic ability and magic are two sides of the same coin and that you can use psychic ability to develop your magic and you can use magic to develop your psychic ability. So I wanted to write the book that I had always wanted and not to sound cocky, a lot of it came from my frustration with books on psychic ability on the market. Mm-hmm. There is a lot to be desired out there and a lot of things that, as you said, when you had your own experience, you went searching for material and probably came up empty-handed in a lot of ways. And I, I've been there. I think a lot of people have. So I'm very excited to see what your book has. I'm like really, really excited to read it. I'm super <laughs> stoked. Um, is it out? It's out now, right? So the actual release date, the official release date is February 8th, but people are already receiving their copies. Nice. So so, yeah, so so that's exciting. It's exciting to see people posting their pictures of it on, like, Instagram and social media um, mm -hmm. because it feels like a real book now. <laughs> You're a reader, and you do take readings, and people can book you at your website, correct? Correct. Okay, so that is www.mattorantarot.com, and I will put that website in the show notes. Um, you also have a ton of events coming up. Like your year is packed, basically. So I'm going to put a few in the show notes as well that are coming up. And they, these are all over the country. We have a big one coming up in Austin, Texas on March 7th. You're the keynote speaker at Austin Witch Fest 2020, which is super exciting. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's such a huge honor. Yeah, it's a huge deal. And you're, you're going to be in San Jose. You're going to be in Maryland, Burns, Tennessee, uh, New Hampshire. So Everywhere. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, everywhere. So people should probably just follow you or look at the website if they want to see where else you're going, because there's a lot more and dates, dates and locations than this. Uh, but also Witches Fest USA, which is in New York, New York. That's on July 10th. I'm very excited. I will see you there. Oh, exciting. Um, <laughs> and uh yeah so the basically the the rest of your events can be found on your facebook author page correct yeah yeah and if it's uh easier for people if you just hit events on my website mattwarren.com it redirects straight to that perfect well thank you so much matt this has been such a beautiful pleasure speaking with you i've loved having you on oh thank you so much i really enjoyed this Mystic <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to Mystic Witch on any of your favorite platforms. And you can show your support by contributing monthly at anchor.fm or on our Patreon page. Follow us on social media to hear exclusive audio clips from our guests at Mystic Witch Podcast. <laughs>